Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Okay, I was praying it really, and God kept bringing me back to a passage that I I don't think I've taught on in years and years and years. We all know it, but it so struck me, and it's Genesis 11. So I want you to turn to Genesis 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11. If we would have had time to read the previous two or three chapters, it's just after the flood. And, uh, you know, Noah, they find the dry land. Noah's three sons, three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, go out. And uh, it names all of the children that were born to them. And it says in the last verse of chapter 10 of Genesis, it said, These are the families of the sons of Noah according to the generations within their nations. And from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Verse 1 of chapter 11. And the whole earth... Now, I really, I really want you to listen to this. I want you to pretend like you've never heard this, this passage before. And read it with me. I hope it's, yeah, it's up there. And the whole earth was of one language... Say one language. The whole earth was of one language and of one accent and mode of expression. The whole earth, everybody. Whoever was alive, all the descendants of Noah, all those that have been populated up to this point, there was one language. Don't know what language Adam and Eve spoke, but whatever it was, these people are still speaking it. Think about it. The very first God-given, whatever it was, the way that humanity communicated with one another. The whole earth was of one language and one accent and one mode of expression. And as they journeyed eastward, they found a plain or a valley in the land of Shinar, you know, which is modern-day Iraq. And they settled and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, come. Let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. So they had brick for stone and slime or bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build a city and a tower whose top reaches into the sky. King James says, build a tower who goes, who reaches into heaven. Let us build, they said, come, let us build a city and a tower whose top reaches into the sky Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered over the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold. Behold means look and see. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They all have one language. And this, now this is God speaking. And this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing, nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and they're confound. Mix up, confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from that place upon the face of the whole earth, 
and they gave up building the city. Therefore, the name of it was called Babel, because there the Lord confounded the language of all the earth. And from that place, the Lord scattered them abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Amen. The word Babel literally means confusion. Uh, and, I, and I was reading this, <clears throat> you know, while I was away. I don't know why. I, I knew the answer before I asked myself the question. At least I knew part of it. But it struck me, and I thought to myself, well, okay, they, they came together, and they said, hey, let's build us a tower that reaches into heaven uh, that we might make a name for ourselves. And at first I thought to myself, well, what's, what's so wrong about that? Why does God say no to that? Well, I, I, I don't cram me. I, I know. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, what's the, why, why was this such a big deal to God? Well, the number one underlying biblical reason was that, number one, God said for them to go into all the earth. He wanted them scattered over all the earth so that they would infuse all the earth but they made a decision to stop at a place and not go out and build their own thing, particularly in a place in those days, Shinar. I, mean, I was reading something the other day, too. It struck me. I don't know. You know, when Saddam Hussein became the head of Iraq, I don't know if you realize it, but in Iraq, there were just there were thousands of acres of wet marshland. When you think of Iraq, you think of nothing but desert. Remember, Iraq was... Originally, that's where Eden was, Mesopotamia, the Fertile Crescent, that was called. And when you look, when you study ancient times, the Fertile Crescent, where mankind was birthed, was there. And uh, that's where Eden was. And if you remember, one of the seven wonders of the world were the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. That was Babylon. Babylon was there. That was modern-day Iraq. And they say that people would come from, you know, thousands of miles away to come and see these these walls are about the tall, as tall as the ceiling with all this incredible flora and fauna hanging from it off the walls and water running everywhere. And it was evidently just some, something out of this world to see. It was incredible. Um, and so Iraq had all these marshlands and they had this incredible flowering every spring and what have you. But Saddam Hussein, for some reason, I know, I'm sure I could probably find it if I wanted to study that more, but he didn't. He had all of the marshes drained. I don't know why, uh, but that's why there's actually a huge project right now to get them to get the water back into this area because of everything that grew there that no longer grows, but they want it to grow again. But anyhow, this is where Nimrod is the guy here who, who's this mighty warrior, one of, the, this, one of the first mighty men. This is Nimrod who's leading this bunch here to build this tower. Come, let us build a tower that will go into heaven itself and let us put down our stakes here. Let us make a name for ourselves and camp here. And God didn't like that. So I, I want to read the most crucial verse again. And then I've got a couple. I've got some overheads here. I'm going to have her put up the first one in just a moment. But I want to read this. I want to speak to the negative of this that we're seeing here. And then I want us to look at the, the positive aspect of what we learn from this as well. But verse 6 again says... And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They have all one language. You really have to hear this. And God him, God is speaking. So hopefully, if you believe a little bit in God, you'll think that if God says this, this must be so. This must be true. God says they're one people. They're one language. 
And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible. So come, let us go down to their confound, mix up, confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, if you can put the first one up. This is just a <clears throat> couple of paragraphs from a fellow that I was studying named Gary Henry. If you can get the first one up there. The scriptural account of this event stands as a warning against the spirit of Babel, wherever and whenever it may be found. And it does not take a particularly astute observer to discern its prevalence in our own civilization today. The humanistic mindset, which is our principal way of thinking in the West, amounts to precisely the kind of impudence that was condemned at Babel. Our virtual deification of man has clearly been at the expense of our glorification of man's creator. Did you catch that? The proper orientation of humanity toward God has been dismissed as outmoded. And in its place, we have substituted a worship of, quote, the soaring achievements of the human spirit. We have excluded God from every project that matters very much to us. And we have engineered a civilization that runs on the principles of human self you rule and self-sufficiency in the effort to make a name for ourselves. That's the issue, isn't it? In the effort to make a name for ourselves, which is what they said, we in the modern human family have exalted ourselves in ways that make Babel look like child's play. Yet God is still capable of surprising those who presume to forge their own destiny. I'm going to read that sentence again. God is still capable of surprising those who presume to forge their own destiny. While in his patience and long-suffering he may delay the onset of his judgment, the time comes later, if not sooner, when the ambitious pride of mankind will be humbled. Amen? amen. You better say amen because it's the truth anyhow. Amen. Here's another little statement from a guy named, well, if you might know Don Stewart. He used to come over here a lot, evangelist. This one, he says, the book of Genesis emphasizes that as a man moves eastward, he moves away from God. We see this in the Garden of Eden, the flood of Noah, and now in the Tower of Babel. It will also be seen later in Genesis when Lot separated from Abraham and went to Sodom. When humankind, we read it so easily. When humankind leaves the area of God's blessing, he goes to places that's going to cause him problems. It's just that simple. Amen? And then when I was writing, I made this, I had this statement come up. It's just the next slide. Uh, and I said this. I said, if you want to make a name for yourself, you're only going to inherit confusion. Now, I wanted to stop there. Like I said, this is just part of the negative of this. Because I really started looking at it afresh and I was thinking about it, you know, as you look at this. Think about God, how he really looked at this. He didn't like it, to say the least. They're going to build a tower to heaven. Rather than obey what I said to do and go out into the earth, I don't know if he could, they could have kept it one language or not. But what God knew was to, he had to stop this to allow what his overall commandment really wanted to produce, which is, again, 
the population of the whole earth and hopefully finding people who would do what he asked so that he might be glorified in the earth. But nevertheless, man chose to stop where it looked so beautiful with all of the water, rivers. They were in the valley, it says, of Shinar. There are mountains around. It's, it was an incredibly beautiful part. We're just outside of Eden. God wanted them to go into all the earth, but they said, no, we're going to camp. We're going to stop here. Hey, come, let us, make, let us build a tower that will reach unto heaven itself. And let us make a name for ourselves. Now, again, it's, that's so easy to speak to, isn't it? But I, I, the more I thought about it, I thought about, again, our church in particular. I thought about our musicians. I thought about the creativity that we speak of so much that we have in our church. But I, I, really, I really want, like our guys that are here, whether you're in music or whether you're in that aspect of creativity or not, but whatever area of life, I want you to really, really catch this. This is a deep soul-searching principle that we have to look to. Whatever, you know, God wants to exalt you, if you know what I mean. He wants you to be supremely blessed, doesn't he? You have to, that is the truth. We never want to undermine that. That is the truth. God said, I will bless you so that you might be a blessing. He wants you to be blessed. I mean, really, he really, really wants you to achieve. He really wants you to stand out. He wants, he wants his people, quite frankly, to shine in the whole earth. He really does. You've got to remember that. We are supposed to be the people. I love how it says in Deuteronomy, it says, when all the rest of the world sees the wisdom of our God that we live by, when they see the provision of the God that we live for, the whole world will look at us and say, surely their God is the one true God. That's, we are supposed to be a living testimony of how great God is. And when it's all said and done, when everything else is cut loose, all the little frivolous stuff, all the ever extraneous stuff, whatever you want to say, that remains a Bible truth. God wants us blessed to the point that the world looks at us and says, wow, <laughs> tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me what you did. Tell me how you live. Why don't you cry when everybody else cries? Why don't you mourn when everyone else mourns? Why when you get attacked, uh, you may be down for a moment, but literally the next hour you're right back up? What is it about you people that you just keep coming? You just keep at it. You never give up. Hallelujah. You, you, you're going to make it. Whatever you go through, you're going to go through it and come out on the other side. You will go through it. You will come out on the other side. There's some, you know, you have something about you. You have this hope that takes you to the other side before you're on the other side. You have a joy. You've got a joy about your life. And I'm looking at you, and right now you don't seem to deserve joy, but you're joyous. Why? You're laying in a hospital bed. Why do you still have joy? What are you laughing about? Didn't you hear what the doctor said? You know, and they're, spo they're supposed to see in us when we say, well, you know what? I'm in God's hands. I'm in the safest place I can ever. I am in the hand of Almighty God. I have offered up my life to him. I literally have said here, I am yours. I am actually for real 
finally 100% surrendered to the Most High God, I, I recognize, I actually recognize your God. That's why even when we come to fellowship, you know, I can put my head down and if nobody else actually worships, I'm going to make, I'm going to worship. I'm going to connect. I'm going to do everything I can to connect with God, not just utter words and rhythm, but actually say, you know, I praise you. I worship you. That's what we're supposed to have. But when you do have skill, and you see, the thing is, God's never brought anybody into earth without having innate skills. There's something inside of you that makes you absolutely unique. Honestly, that's not just something that preachers say to patch on their back. Every single individual is one of a kind. There will never be another you. And therefore, you coming to fullness is vital to the kingdom of God. You obeying what God has shown you to do, you actually saying yes to what God's asked you to do, affects me. When Rod actually listens and obeys what God says asks me to do it, it, it you may not realize it but in some aspect it does affect you we really are all members of one body I know that we don't really understand that like we should we can nod our head and say I know where the scripture is but we really are when one member suffers we all suffer something hurts all of us even when one of us in China right now is hurting there's something about the pain they're going through that extends all the way over here, and we don't even know about it. But it keeps the body of Christ at a level. The more the body of Christ individually around the earth begins to elevate itself by, like Graham Cook is saying, by believing what God says about them, the more each and see it's every it's an individual choice. Every single one of us have to make the individual choice to believe that God meant what He said about me. Hello. That I actually am loved unconditionally. That no matter how many mistakes I may make, I've learned to run to him, not from him. I've learned that I really am redeemed by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And as unworthy as I may feel at times, I am right with God. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of his sacrifice, not because of my obedience, but because of his. And because I've accepted what he did, God sees me through that. And I'm all right. I'm good. Rod Anderson is good, whether you like it or not. I'm right with God. I really am. But every single one of us, the more every single one of us come to that truth, it lifts the body. Every one of us, every time you obey, it lifts the global church of God. To me, that's incredible. You know, and there is levels, you know, like it says, God takes you faith, faith, strength, strength. You know, there is an individual anointing that you can carry. And like you've heard me say, but there are corporate anointings that we can carry. And you can be, if you learn to be faithful to that, with that, you know, anointings can grow to the point that you're, 
the anointings that you're stewarding well begin to affect an entire community. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy trip. I said all that now to say, like I said, looking at the negative side of this, when I, I well, so many of, like I said, our musicians are our people, whether, you know, whoever that they are and guys that are really good. I listen to David play. I mean, I do. I'm, you know, I'm not just saying it. You know, all the Powell families are all too anointed. They're too blessed. It's all Mike's fault because <laughs> he married Karen and Karen had all the grace. No, but honestly, you know, they, I listen to David play and I think to myself, as much as I love what he's playing right now, God, I hope I'm around to hear him. Well, I'm going to be around. I just to hear David like 10 years from now. To hear DeBoer 10 years from now. To hear, see what Bobby's doing 10 years from now. You know, why, God, what would God be doing with Bobby 10 years from now? You know, what will God be doing with Helen 10 years from now? What will God be doing with Isle, with Emmanuel, you know, with Dom, you know, maybe even Denise, who knows? i got to name everybody now. Ayana, <laughs> Devon, Sylvia, Mike, Matthew, Charlotte, Gosha, my, you know, i got to go through everybody here. No, but honestly, but when I listen to even like some of our musicians, some of the stuff is there is, you know, it, my heart is full, very full of the whole issue of music. Like you heard me say many times because of this, when we're in Los Angeles, you know, I grew up in Southern California. And like I said, you know, they have a thing, they have this, this like, it's not a club, it's an organization and it's a legitimate organization called, you know, it's called Starving Musicians. And it's about, you know, because Los Angeles, you know, Hollywood around there, what have you, you have some of the finest musicians in the world that nobody will ever hear of. They can't get, you know, because they, they, they live for music, just like some of we do. You live for it. And they have this dream of, quote, unquote, making it big. You know what I mean? This is what I live for. This is what I want to do all my life, somehow, some way. And, you know, you can, but the point is, I forget who it was I was listening to on radio or on television just the other day. This guy was talking about it. He said the days of making, the days of musicians making gigantic sums of money is basically over. They said because of the digital age and what happens with streaming and what have you now and how, how songs are, are sold. It's not like it was. Well, that shouldn't, that will, could depress a whole lot of folks real quick. But the thing is this, the issue is this, what I'm trying to spit out is this. I don't want any of us to get caught in this trap, and it's subtle, man. You may not, you, you may not think it's there, but basically, I want to make a name for myself. I, I you know, I want to make a name for myself. I, I just can't wait, man, till I'm filling auditoriums. And you know, I don't think any of our people would actually quote say that. But do you hear what I'm trying to say? God knows the hearts of them. See Daniel sitting back there, you know, working on these films nowadays. Hallelujah! I'm thrilled for. I mean, I'm, I love Daniel. I love Daniel. This is the truth. The, you know, when he'd come to me over the last several years in council, long before he had these jobs, right, Daniel? Long before, and God was giving him dreams about stuff, and he just wanted to get somewhere into the film industry and about around producing, learning stuff. And now it's I don't know how which film you're on, third or fourth film, and rising higher and higher. Which fourth? fourth film, and I think to myself, you know, here's a godly young man. I mean, you know, I love Daniel. He is a godly young man, and I've watched him all these years put God first. He really has. I've watched him pray and 
own, and he, he's, God works through him by giving him dreams. I mean, really gives him dreams. You know, I get dreams about, like they say, the old pizza dreams and stuff. But he gets godly dreams. He gets these dreams, and they come to pass, and he shows them stuff, and God forewarns him about stuff through dreams and stuff. And I go, man, you know, don't you, don't you meet people sometimes? You go, my, oh, God, I wish I had that gift. But anyhow, I'm just saying, uh, but even with Daniel, see, whatever it is, there's, there has to be this, con- what's the word I'm looking for? There has to be this constant balance. There's something where you actually are always, see, God doesn't want to keep you down. See, that's what I mean. We have to cheer. We're called to cheer one another on, aren't we? We really are. That's what we're to do. We're to cheer one another on. We want our brother and sister to succeed. I mean, we really do. We want them to be blessed. But we want the glory to go to God for real. It's easy to say it because we know how to speak churchianity. You know what I mean? It's easy to say it, but God knows the human heart. And so when I look at this, I think to myself, I went, man, you know, I just hope that we really do hear this. And that's why, like I said this morning, I just wanted to share that aspect of it again because we have so many incredible people. I just want you to have that, you know, every once in a while, God brings you to a place where he checks you out. How are you doing right now? Are you making decisions based upon... You know, how quickly it'll make somebody know your name? You know, are you, where are, you, are you willing to compromise your faith to be on stage? Or are you willing to compromise the values of Christ in you? Not my church, my churchianity. But I'm talking about the difference between, like I said, being a church member and being a follower of Christ. Am I actually a follower of Christ? And if so, am I, am I going to compromise what I know he wants me to live like? Will I really learn how to love like he loves? Like they say, the first question, whoever, Bob Jones, they say, you know, the, one, the, first, the first question you'll ever be asked is, did you love like Jesus? Do we love people like God loves us? That's still, that's, it's not how much of a hot shot you are, man, is it? You hear me? It's not how many great songs you write. It's not how many chords you can rip. It's not how many prophecies you can tear up, you know, knock out. It's not how many, it's not how many dresses you can make. Not but how many new designs you can come up with, Bobby. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, but I'm just saying, that, it's just this thing that we have to make sure we, we understand. God, the moment he sees that it's uh, something in you that wants to have a self-exaltation, I want to be known. I'm just saying like this guys that I just quoted from, the moment you move towards that, you're moving away from the blessings of God. And like the first writer said, somewhere, sometime, down the line, because he loves you so much, you will be humbled. I said you will be humbled. He brings the proud low. He brings the proud low. Okay? All right, that's the negative. Now let's look at some of the positive aspects about this. Um, You can put up this illustration about a horse pulling contest here. The next one, yeah. Horse pulling contest in Canada illustrates the effect of synergism, you know, working together especially well. 
The people put weights, it's true, this isn't just a story. The people put weights on a flatbed wagon. A single horse pulled it a measured distance. They added 1,000 pounds at a time until the horse could no longer pull it. The winner pulled 9,000 pounds. The runner-up pulled 8,000 pounds. So that's 17,000 pounds. Anyhow, out of curiosity, somebody suggested putting those two horses together. When they hitched both horses to the wagon, they pulled 31,000 pounds. Working together, the horses pulled more than three times the weight the best of them could pull alone. And so it is with humans. When we work together, we can accomplish much more than we can separately. Now, that's obvious, I know, but I want you to understand there's something about how God made even animal husbandry, even all this. When you just study critters, like I said, horses, think about this. One horse is pulling 9,000 pounds. Another horse can pull eight or 9,000. You put the two horses together. They don't pull nine and eight, 17. They pull three times more. There's something about working together, making the decision to, to live in synergy with one another that creates, that creates so much more. It just creates so much more. We could put a full stop right there. Something far greater is created. When we understand synergy, when we understand let's pull together. Amen? I don't care what it is. Let me read the verse again. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, that, now so this is the basic teaching of unity. Now, we could go to a ton of scriptures. I've got some here. We all know blessed are those. Blessed are those that walk in unity. What is Psalm 133? What's that verse? Blessed are those who walk in unity, for the, there the Lord commands. Blessed are those who live in unity, whatever that, for there the Lord commands the blessing. That's incredible. Where there's unity, God commands the blessing. Where there's unity, God commands the blessing. Where there's unity, God commands the blessing. Now, do you think that Satan just, just, just possibly might have learned something? From all of this stuff that happened, like at Babel. You know what I mean? God Almighty says there's nothing. This just trips me out. I remember when I was a young Christian. I read, I couldn't get away from this verse. Because, you know, I kept saying, that if, God, if God said this, I mean, if, if God said this, evidently it's true. <laughs> because the people are of one language, they're of one voice. They're one people. They all understand each other. Please hear me this morning. Because they all understood each other. Because you're all coming from the same place. Because you all have the same heart. Because you all have the same vision. You see, Bobby has a vision. Lucy has a vision. Julie has a vision. David has a vision. Michael has a vision. Matt has a vision. Owen has a vision. Whosoever else is out has a vision. And we think we have to major on ours alone. And you know what? There's truth to that. Amen? Be single-minded. Yes. About what God's given to you to, you to do. But guys, history is proven. I'm not teaching on it. I could teach on it for a week. History proves it's only when you hook your vision to somebody else's vision that you begin to produce more in your own life than you ever could have alone. It is incredible. 
It's called teamwork. It's called teamwork. It's like Jesus choosing 12. Every single one of them, even though one was nuts and a crook, but every single one having even their names, you know, a different personality dictated by their name and by their character. Every single one had a different strength. There's so much typology in Scripture of what happens when, well, it's the basic teaching of an orchestra. You know, you've got a trumpet, you've got wind instruments, you've got percussion, you've got all this stuff over here, you've got timpani, and, you know, this guy can play this note all day long. The issue is you can have all these different people. See, this is where we used to teach on it this way. So many people said, we want unity, but what they heard was, we want uniformity. In other words, we want everybody to be just like I am. You know what I mean? Bless God, hook up to me. This is the way it is. And it's the old joke about, you know, a cat and a dog. If you tie the tail together, if you tie, a t- if you tie the tail of a cat and a tail of a dog together and hang them over a, a, a clothesline, you, will, you might have uniformity, but my friends, you will not have union. You will not have unity. Okay? You just won't. This is why you got to be so careful. You can be so desperate about guarding what God gives you that you don't understand that you don't want to be as close as you might need to be with somebody that thinks differently than you do. And you don't understand that it's only when you hook up to somebody that thinks differently than you do that you're actually going to find the key into something that's going to be crucial to your entire destiny. I'm telling you, this is the truth. This is the truth. But, oh, you know, we're, we get so protective. We get it protective in the name of holiness. I'm so holy. I'm guarding God's gift to me. If you've got to guard God's gift, you know, you may as well check out because it's done gone. Because God's pretty good at guarding us guarding, guarding already, is what I'm trying to say. But think about this. God says they're one language to one people, and nothing which they have imagined they can do will be withheld from them. Now, if it says nothing, I mean, can you understand the power that's in that statement about what can happen if we become people of one language? Do you understand? I'm not talking about just speaking English. I'm talking people that speak the same thing. This is where, like, even this thing about coming of mind about, like I said, about us having a building. It's as simple as that. If everybody gets on the same page in the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to have this building. I mean, if everybody's, well, what are they doing? Where are they at? Is there anything? Have they found it? Just in the name of Jesus, we're going to have our building. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this church is going to have its own building. I mean, just that, something like that. If every, you know, if there will be nothing impossible. Do you hear that? There will be nothing impossible for us. You see, it's not up to Rod. There's been many, 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 many structures, religious structures built on the gifting of one man. And they fell horrifically because it's never been about a man other than the the man, Jesus Christ. Do Do you really hear that? Do you really hear that? This church, CCF, its reputation, dear God, better not stand on the faith of Rod and Julie Anderson. You know, when people speak of CCF, I mean, they may know where the pastors, as it were, 
But people now, when they think of CCF, and think about how it's already started, you know, they think of the, they think, when they think CCF now, they think of the worship team. They think of, they think of individuals, those, anybody that's been exposed, they think of Bobby, they think of all the incredible gifting she has, they think of others in the church that just, they think of people, they're thinking more broadly than they were before. And see, that's part of what God wants. He doesn't want the day of the superhero is over. I mean, as far as, you know, the super guy up here. It's about the congregation. That's why, like, you know, when God blessing Bill Johnson so much in the church in Bethel and Chris and, and uh, uh, Danny, all this stuff, like, it's, it's so incredible. But, again, the thing that's so tremendous is because, you know, when you go there or you watch him, you know, he, it's not having an altar call where 15,000 people come up here. As you watch Johnson minister, you watch Rick Joyner now, you watch these other guys, any of them that follow, they're seeing what God's really doing. They'll say a few words, and right now I want you out there to lay hands on the person next to you. You know, whoever, where there's healing, where there's healing needed right now, put your hand up. And he, it's not about me. Say, oh, you must come up here, the man of God. Come to the man of God. Come to the man of God, the bishop. I'm going to be a man of the high collar, true dollar. <laughs> no, but I mean, see, you got to catch this. It's everything shifted. God wants to again get the attention back on Him, because it is His church. But there are these biblical principles, and this morning I just wanted to read that afresh. I just so struck me. The way the devil works is the same way in verse seven. He took the you know nothing. The devil had never had anything new. God said, let us go down and there confound, mix up, confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from that place upon the face of the whole earth. And listen to this statement. And they gave up building the city. In other words, how does Satan get you to give your dream up? He gets division in there. That's the word, die, D-I, vision. Separation in the vision. Now you've got this, and you're thinking this, and you're thinking this. And it's not, and you can't have two visions, but you can have connected visions. See, this is the dichotomy of truth that you find in Scripture. And I'm just saying, think about this. This is what the devil wants to do. He wants to distract you. He wants to get you to where you no longer understand one another. That you're... Confused. Babel means confusion. And like the one reader, writer said, read, wrote, he said there's a, like there's a spirit of Babel, of confusion. And actually, the Bible actually names that in Scripture as something God threw into the camp of God's enemies. He says, I threw into the camp a, a spirit of confusion, and the people, the enemies of God, were self-slaughtered. Hallelujah. So God will use a spirit of confusion to throw in our enemy's camp. But understand, that's why hell works that way with us. He wants us confused. And I'm saying this is why when it's all said and done, we must come to one true foundation of truth, which is the Word of God. Right? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You want, I want to be successful. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Great. God wants that. But you got to go deep in your heart and keep saying, okay, but do, do I really want this so that people will see God in me? And that's a decision you have to make. You know what I mean? 
Now just let me read some other scriptures, then I'm going to do my utmost to shut up. Uh, we all know Matthew 18, 19, but I'm going to quote her. I've got to, just going to read some here real quickly. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I tell you, if two of you agree, two of you on earth agree. This is the Amplified, and it really, because the word is symphina, which is symphony, where we get symphony. It says, if any two on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together. If we become an orchestra, every one of you are different. Well, I'm not a piano player. Well, that's fine. I play a baritone. That's fine. I play drums. That's fine. I play violin. That's fine. You can all play your own instrument, but follow the conductor. Amen? Oh, well, I can see you're really thrilled by this. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, just two of you agree, harmonize, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will. Now, who said this? Seriously, who said this? Jesus. Don't be timid. Who said this? Is he lying? Is he lying? Is this a lie? Well, somewhere then we're not, we're missing it, aren't we? Somewhere. The symphony is evidently some of the instruments are out of tune. We are. We're out of tune or we're trying to do our own thing. We're trying to, you know, I believe it or not, remember I played trombone. Uh, Julie was playing something yesterday, uh, or the, whatever it was, some, but it was a graduation. I don't know, in America, when they have graduation in college or high school, they play a song called Pomp and Circumstance. You know, da, 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 da. Well, I was first chair. You know, six trombones, I was the first chair. That means I was the best. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, playing all that stuff. If, if, I'm, if the guy next to me is always trying to outplay me just because he wants to show me how he's got this note better than I do, we mess up. On the day, on the day when we're being presented to bring forth this music for this graduation, it is not about me shining. Do you really hear that? But catch it. Everyone in this place, you're members of an orchestra. We need to follow the conductor. And I'm talking about Jesus Christ. He said, if two of us agree, if we'll harmonize, in other words, I'm just trying to say, my God, my God, how powerful is agreement? How powerful is this to actually say, okay, like us keep coming back to me about the, you know, I don't have all the answers yet, but I'm saying I go to the basic point of faith's release. In Jesus' name, I know my father has a, has a building for this fellowship. I know he does. I know it's out there right now. Don't know where it is yet, but I know it's out there right now. It's being prepared. It's got our name on it. Hallelujah. You know, you, you, there's another truth that you study in Scripture. You know, God saw and God said and all this kind of stuff. Listen, you'll never have it if you don't see it. That's something else you've got to understand. Seeing is powerful. You have to see it before you have it so that you will have it. You just do You've got to see a building. You've got to see us together. You don't have to see whether or not we've gilded everything with gold like Bobby wants. She wants chairs with gilding of gold. And, and, and she, wants us, she wants me to be let down from a thing on high where I <laughs> slowly but surely with Julie walking in with angel's wings that she makes through her Indian, through her 
fabrics and tapestry and st- shut up. And, but, but again, forgive my levity. Jesus said that two of you on earth agree. Now, either he meant this or he didn't, man. So, see, I, I've chosen to believe it. So if we don't have what we're asking for, it's because too many of us are out of tune. And all I'm asking is for all of us to search our hearts. He said, if two of us on earth agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, he said it will come to pass. It didn't say it's going to be instant lightning and be done for them by my Father in heaven. He got, you see, there's something about agreement God loves. Please see that. God loves agreement. So my Ed Cole teaching, agreement is the place of power. Disagreement is the place of powerlessness. So hell's job is to get us in disagreement. 1 Corinthians 1.10, But I urge and entreat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony and full agreement in what you say, and that there be no dissensions or factions or divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your common understanding. And in your opinions and judgments. Now that's, that's Paul the Apostle. I'll read it again. I'm urging you and I'm entreating you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's, it's heavy when Paul invokes the name. We just think it's part of a scripture. <laughs> he's, in, he's saying this in the name of Jesus. That, carry, that means there's some authority attached to his his request or his saying, but I urge you to treat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in perfect harmony. Harmony and full agreement. In what? In what we say. That's why we got to start saying the same thing, at least the basics. And I'm asking you to start saying this. Thank God we have our building. Can you just say that once right now? Father, did you hear that? Yeah, he did. But the thing is, we need to be in agreement. We at least need to start there. Don't worry about all the fine details and the working out of it right now. We just have to make a start. Because when we are all of one language and we're all saying one thing, all I know is that God's word says, look, now nothing which they have imagined that they can do will be withheld from them. And you know, the word imagine, like I said, you studied it, the root word is this image. In other words, if we all can begin to see something, we'll have it. But we've got to start seeing it. Again, perfect harmony, and that there be no dissensions or factions or divisions among you, but that you are perfectly united in your common understanding, opinions, and judgments. Um, and of course, we all know Acts 4. I'm just going to read these because I want to rush to my clothes. Acts 4, verse 32 through 35, you'll know the story. Now the company of believers was of one heart. Everybody say one heart. The company of believers, see, just after the death and resurrection of Jesus, it was pretty fresh in their hearts and minds. Now the company of believers was of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything which he possessed was exclusively his own. But everything they had was in common for the use of all. And you know, we could preach on that from a thousand different directions. But see, I would like to think, this is why 
if I can dare use myself as a little bit of an example, I've had people bring people to me who needed counseling because they said, we know that what Rod has can help you. Okay, is that okay? Well, see, this is what we're all supposed to be saying. I want to introduce you to Julie. She has some knowledge about prayer that you need. I want to introduce you to Astrid because she definitely has some knowledge about cooking that you don't have. <laughs> or I want to introduce you, I mean, to wherever. You know, I could go, look, said, David's got some understanding about cords that will bless you. In other words, we just simply begin to see, all of us begin to understand that if I have something, it's not just about me. I'm called to be a blessing. God to Abraham, I'm going to bless you that you might be a blessing. So again, now the company of believers was of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything which he possessed was exclusively his own, but everything they had was in common and for the use of all. And because of that, the rest of this happened. And with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, loving kindness and favor and goodwill rested richly upon them all. Now, you've got to understand that verse 32 is a lot of the reason that everything in verse 33 comes to pass. Did you hear me? That everybody had this attitude, this nothing. if I have it, I'm going to help you. If I, if I can help you, I will. In other words, you're not where you force somebody, I need you, whatever you have. I found out that you have a, somebody's just blessed you with 50,000 pounds. I want 10 of it. That's not quite what God's saying. <laughs> it's just knowing this. Anyhow, <clears throat> but... This blessing that came, it came to a group of people who thought that everything that they had was for the good of the many. Hallelujah. It wasn't just about me, all right? Then in verse 34 it says, Nor was there one destitute or needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses, they proceeded. I mean, this is wild, man. This is wild. Talk about something being powerful. They sold their lands and houses, and one by one they brought and they gave back the amount received from the sales, and they laid it at the feet of the apostles. Then distribution was made according to as anyone had need. I mean, this is, can, you, I, can you imagine being in a situation like that where there are people that are so determined that others don't lack where they have abundance? That they bring everything together and they start saying, hey, let's help. Let's find out. Let's bring it here. We found we want this to be a point of departure. We want this to be a place where stuff comes so the stuff can go out. You know what I mean? The little basics about our kingdom thing, blessing where we bring foodstuffs and stuff to give to others. I mean, just to the place. Can you imagine a massive, like when we went to Camarillo, Steve's church last time, uh, I laughed a little bit when some of our team went to, you know, it's like an industrial like place where the church is at Camarillo. But if some of you look, you know, on the other, uh, there was one whole part of another industrial part. You know, people go in there. They've got, um, what are those things called? Those things that uh, lifts, those electric, those thing, little buggies that drive around and they've got the forks that go out and lift stuff up. Yeah, forklift trucks. They've got forklift trucks. They've got, you know, They've got a whole warehouse full of food stuff. 
and clothes stuff, you know, where they got guys in the after warehouse that, that they give to people every all over the place. Can you imagine? And just listen, I said, can you imagine? God just reminded me. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I think I'm going to stop you. Happy Caldwell, years ago, he was, a, he, I don't know, I mean, he's still alive, but Happy was the pastor of, of this faith church in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he used to come to our church a lot. And he talked about how when he and his wife, one of the first times, they, they took a holiday and they went to Hawaii. And they took this little boat cruise. And as they were taking, going around one of these bays, they pointed up to this incredible, incredible uh, as a cliff. And on the top of this cliff was this incredible home. I mean, incredible. There were waterfalls on one side of it. And, you know, they could just see it was like a mini palace. And he said, I looked at that. I looked at that. And he said, I just, and I said it because it was the way it was. He said, because, anyhow, but you have to understand, he was teaching him. He said, I looked at that and he said, Man, I can't imagine ever living in a place like that. Could you? Is that crazy? I can never imagine living in a place like that. And he said instantly in his spirit, he heard God say, and that's why you never will. And that's why you never will. You got to see it. You got to say it. You got to want it, but it needs to be to the glory of God. The end result, and I mean only your heart knows the truth. He will do anything for you. Do you hear me? Forgive me, I'm trying to shut up. I say it so often, but I, I hope when I'm dead. I hope, like David Powell, uh, you know, because I love jazz and stuff like that, and I love it when he gets off into some of his licks and the group does, but I hope that long after I'm dead, that David keeps hearing my voice saying, every day, every day, give this gift back to God. Don't ever forget where it came from. Yeah, you practice your butt off. Thank God you did, because God works when you work, if you know what I mean. But always acknowledge, always be fast to know, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And just to acknowledge Him every day. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you help this expand. I know that you're the, only, you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. I know it's anything, any, if there is any good thing, and you really mean it, if there is any good thing, it's, it's because of you. It's because of you. It's because of you. I tell you, you keep that attitude, what God will do with you, you have no comprehension how far, how wide, how long, how huge God will take you, what he'll do for your life. You'll have no, you'll ha- you have no idea how big God, what he can do with you. Hallelujah. It, we just have, it's, you know, it's not a matter of being a great man. It's a matter of knowing that you have a great God. We have a great God. Oh, okay. Well, Father, I, I just give you thanks today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for these principles that we see throughout Scripture that are holy. They cannot be violated. They're absolutes. Like the law of love that we're quick to forgive. I mean really forgive. I mean let it go. It's gone. 
ever, forever. Who cares? Not, just too silly to ever let it cloud my life. Thank you, Father, for the revelation that you really do want to see us being on the same page. That there's a group of people, if they be found with one language, one heart, speaking the same thing, that nothing, that nothing they imagine they could do would be withheld from them. Oh, God, man, that just blows my mind, Father. I just give you thanks for that. So, Father, we thank you. That's the fight of good, the good fight, as it is, rather. I thank you, Father, that you teach us, you guide us, you correct us, you, you fix whatever needs to be fixed. But I thank you for every individual in here that, Father, the dream that you placed in them. I just pray that they constantly have the humility of heart to always, always submit it to you. Whatever it is, however small it is, it's not going to grow correctly unless it's in your hands anyhow. Because like you said, like this writer said, it's, you can build something, but if it's, in, if it's in their heart that they're trying to make a name for themselves, like this guy said, one day, one day, uh, sadly, they will be humbled. So we, we say no to that. We choose to humble ourselves so that we don't have to be humble. Under the mighty hand of God that you might exalt us in due time. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 